Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is both founder and CEO of Sequoia Coaching, coaching you to higher heights rooted in strength and clarity. She is an international best-selling author, certified transition coach, speaker, and certified disc trainer with the John Maxwell team. She empowers women to process their transitions, bringing them out of the messy middle to a place of wholeness and clarity. She helps people discover and identify the mindsets and limiting beliefs that keep them stuck and unable to move forward to live out their divine purpose. Her book, The Family Letter, How to Intentionally Develop a Culture of Honor, Encouragement, and Value with Your Loved Ones has become an international bestseller. Her desire and dream is to have her book create a global movement, creating a profound and transformational impact on the family unit. Welcome to the show, Debbie Ronka. Well, hi, Matt. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Um, your son, who is one of my favorite people on the planet, shout out Johnny Ronka, connected this uh, podcast and he said, hey, my mom wrote a book. And I said, you know what? Like, if she's the one who guided <laughs> you, you know, she's got to be an amazing human. And, and looking into your work, it's truly, truly beautiful. I love the intention mm -hmm. with the book. I think it couldn't be more important right now, the family unit and having those values and creating that culture. You know, what culture are we creating, developing one of honor, encouragement, and value? And so I'm grateful to be uh, having this conversation. I think it's incredibly timely. And I just invite you to um, share a little bit about yourself and your journey and what brought you to writing the book and all the amazing things that you're up to. Well, thank you. Well, you know, interesting growing up, I always like to share this background. I grew up with six brothers and we had a very large family. And, you know, I think it was back then that generation, Matt, they were not really good about sharing their emotions, their feelings. Um, they showed how they loved you by how they provided, you know, the meals, the vacations, going to school, but like those, uh, those hugs or the verbal I love you's they seem to be missing. But I think it was the generation of that time. So when my husband and I got married, we decided we wanted a different culture in our home. We wanted a culture of affirmation where our kids would literally hear their value and worth and receive it from us and not have to worry about receiving it from other people. Or because you know, sometimes the negative things come in, right? So we wanted to teach our kids the power of encouragement. I mean, who does not want to be encouraged? And that's a gift that you can give someone and to help them understand the power of their words. And so as husband and wife, we were intentional with our words, how we would speak to one another, keeping the culture in mind, um, affirming one another. And notice that the kids kind of struggled with doing that with each other. They were young at the time. Uh, Johnny was seven and his sister Jamie was like five when we started this. And so we thought, you know, how can we make this work? What is missing? What would be easy? And that's how we wound up coming up with the simple tool of a letter. We thought, 
we can do a letter and they can learn to write these words of encouragement. And it turned out to be one of the greatest things we've ever done as a family. It's over 35 years. We're still doing this because of what it's done to us individually and as the core unit of the family. So basically, uh, what we've done, Matt, is as a family, when the kids were younger, we chose our birthdays. And isn't that the day everybody likes to get celebrated, right? And so that was the day and the day we still use that. So say it's actually, it's my birthday in two days. So I'm going to actually get to enjoy this. So everyone in my family will write me a letter. And the power in it is you don't take the letters and go into another room by yourself. You just, you don't do that. The power is in the community of the family. And I sit down and I take one letter at a time and I read them out loud. And so everybody that's there is impacted. First, the one who receives the letter because you're hearing why you're loved, not that just, oh, we love you. No, I love you because, like we go specific. Like in my book, I have guidelines on what to put in the letters. And the person who wrote the letter is touched because they're hearing their very words read by you and everyone else in the room is impacted. So there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of um, bonding that happens tears, laughter, celebration, because it becomes a story about who you are in these letters. That might be the most beautiful mother effing thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if you have a strong family culture, then absolutely that would be amazing. I think my first um, like devil's advocate is like, oh God, like, and I never go there. So maybe it's just like a personal <laughs> thing, but like, what if, what if the family uh, unit isn't so strong? So I could see it as a tool for sure. And I see how it's beautiful. And then I see how this would be amazing even for friends uh, close friends to use or or um, even communities. When I worked with and, and studied with um, David Lombert Senapas, who's a Mi'kmaq elder, we would do these teas and we would sit in a circle and everybody's voice would be heard. And um, it was a very beautiful and empowering experience. So um, you know, a lot of healing was done in those, those things. Too. So teas stand mm -hmm. for time, earth, air, and space. And culturally, we don't do that. We don't listen to each other, like actually listen. You know, another example from the Native American community is uh, Clifford Mahuti. He's a small Zuni elder. And I was listening to him and David Lombert talk in uh, Arco Santi. And I thought, I thought Clifford fall asleep because his eyes were, he's a <laughs> tiny guy. His eyes were closed and he hunches up like this, right? And he's sitting down. And what I realized, he told us after, he literally listens with all of his might. He shuts everything off to listen to everybody with all of his might. It's the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen. And we don't do that culturally. So if it's not happening out in the world, if we're not getting confidence, if we're not getting encouragement, if it's not okay out in the world to fail or not be enough, you know, we need to get it in the family unit. And if it's given in the family unit, then you can take that 
out into the world and have the courage to fail, have the courage to test yourself, have the courage to follow your dreams and do all that kind of stuff. And most people don't have that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we were ta- we had a nice conversation before the show. We probably won't get into all that kind of stuff. But one of the things that I've noticed in my research is that I've, I've seen that there has seemingly been an agenda to destroy the family unit through through different variations. And I think because I've studied propaganda and I've studied hypnosis and brainwash and and manipulation. Um, I can see it happening in the world, but what nullifies that immediately is a strong family unit. If you have a strong family culture and unit, it doesn't matter what baloney or jargon is happening in the world. You're getting your values, your um, discussion, your open dialogue, right? Even if it's opposing views within your family and it's a safe space to explore, to share ideas, if it's ideally done right. I know a lot of families maybe not be doing it right, doing the best that they can. You know, I think about Ram Dass's quote. He says, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a weekend with your family. And so, um, so I'm going to stop uh, talking and just get you to chime in on that kind of rant. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know what I believe, Matt, truly with all my being is everyone has a longing, a deep longing to be known, loved, valued, and celebrated. That's a given. That is a, a God-given desire that we have within us. And it's placed there not to be needy, not to be dependent, but it's something that invokes and creates relationship. So in other words, I would have the desire to be known, loved, valued, and celebrated by my family, by my friends, as you, to get to, as you get to know me and value me and maybe celebrate, like what you're doing now, you're celebrating the writing of my book. And you would have that same longing. So as I have that longing, it's also my responsibility to realize others have the same. And why it's so important for us to speak life-giving words because people are walking around with some really dry, thirsty souls that are needing to know your life has impact. You are making a difference. You touch me in such a way that you just bring me so much joy. Your potential is limitless. People are wondering, like they have this question mark in their heart. Am I of any value? Does my life have purpose? Does anyone love me? And the rest of us have the answers to those questions. But we don't become intentional to take the time to listen and speak. I believe, I always ask people this question, how many times Matt or anyone's listening and myself, have you witnessed somebody doing something really great, really wonderful and you think, oh my gosh, they did such a great job. I need to tell them it went great and it really impacted me, great job. How many of us have those thoughts? And then what happens is the busyness of life, our schedule swoops in and we forget, right? It just happens to all of us. We just forget. And that's when I say all those words that were life-giving words wind up in what I call the realm of good intentions. We had the good intention to do it, but we never implemented it. 
Now take the same scenario and you have a friend, a family mem member that's done something awesome and you're like, gosh, I need to tell them, great job. You really made a difference. And you actually follow through and share those words. What happens? Two things happen. Most time the person who hears they've done a great job or they've impacted you, their response is, gosh, I really needed to hear that. Thank you. I was wondering if it was even coming off the way I wanted it to. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Oh, I feel so much better. I mean, isn't that true? That person feels really valued and celebrated, recognized for their talents. But also the person who releases those words has a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction that they actually impacted another person. Amazing. I totally agree. When you when you talk about that, I'm reminded again, I guess a lot of the Native American wisdom is on top of my mind today. But again, when studying with uh, David Lombear, he would talk about doing three kind acts. And some of it was just taking a mm. saying a kind word, like to do actually do three kind actions a day, like to take the action. And he would say, you know, we're so heavenly minded, but we're no earthly good. Yeah. You know, it's like, we want to act, but we, we don't and, and we don't actually take that step. And and he gave me this lesson in, you know, electromagnetics, which was odd, but I know that we are electromagnetic beings. And when we take the action, it's actually doing something. It's, it's creating energy between us. Because if you read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, it has nothing to do with manipulation. It has everything to do with being a good human being. And it talks about yeah. the number one motivator is just, um, you know, being recognized, like just actually being seen and recognized and appreciated. And so when you do that, you light them up. That's light. It's a feeling of light. It's a feeling of energy. And that's what high voltage is, right? High vibe or high volt. You feel super good. And if you're giving that energy to another person, you actually get that too. So the negative Nellies and the ones going on like with, with, uh, you know, stink bombs, it seems, and you see it all over the internet today, just people waiting to, you know, throw mm. stink bombs on people absolutely everywhere, right? Rather than encouraging, you're seeing this and now we're kind of witnessing the divide and it's almost getting biblical, you know, and it <laughs> seems like as I'm yeah. observing it, one side tends more towards ridicule and shaming. And um, it's always this, always a shaming thing, but never talking about the topic, never discussing the idea. And the other side is like trying to discuss the idea, honoring another opinion, um, but needing to exercise tolerance. And that's probably me specifically, because I just want to know what the truth is. But I also value your opinion as a human being. And I don't want to throw you a, a, a poop sandwich even if your opinion is different, just to honor and respect you and appreciate you. And I feel like that's what we need more of uh, in this world is just honor, respect and appreciation. And when we feel it, we feel light, we feel good, we feel happy. And so um, I'll invite you to kind of talk on those words, but also to talk about you know, you talk about a, a transition bridge and, and helping us like get from one side to another, overcoming fear and, you know, negative internal dialogue and all that kind of stuff. A lot of people out there, they don't have a good support uh, mechanism. And, you know, that old expression of hurt people hurt people. And I learned this through, you know, martial arts and things like that. When someone's attacking me, it's usually something wrong with them. Nobody full of love in a good family unit who is like, okay, on the inside is going around throwing poop sandwiches around. You know what I mean? There, there's something mm -hmm. happening. And so 
you know, to just understand that and give them tolerance and patience it can be challenging, but it's important. It's nobody full of love is going around doing that. That person who's whole, who has integrity and a good culture, they're supporting as much as they can. They're building that inner strength and they're, they're having a hand up. And so, you know, I'm going to leave it there and get you to chime in. Oh, I love that subject because Matt, I think exactly what you said, hurt people hurt people. And sometimes people don't even realize the wound that's inside their heart is dictating the way that they live. They don't understand why they're responding the way that they do. So I love in my coaching and my spiritual guiding of people is to talk about, let them tell their story because there's always a story behind the story. And you can begin to identify the patterns, the negative patterns. So this is what I believe. We, we will produce positive or negative fruit in our life. The positive of the joy and uh, being grateful. But the negative of like maybe if you're angry all of the time or you're isolating all of the time, these are negative fruits that are indicators that there is a root inside of you that's been there a really long time and it's manifesting itself in the way that you live. And a lot of people don't understand that maybe going all the way back to their childhood. Um, I was just writing something on this the other day about unmet needs. You know, we were created to have our needs met, the basic needs of comfort, being fed, but being nurtured is like another whole thing that sometimes people are not called forth, you know, calling forth who you are as a person, recognizing your gifts and talents and saying, you know, Matt, you're an incredible intellect. I could see your, your passion for learning and how you'd love to impart that to other people. Pulling out who you are so that you're more empowered to walk in your gifting. And I think sometimes as kids growing up, if we didn't receive that nurturing, we strive for it in our adulthood in negative ways. Um, if we grew up in an environment where maybe we didn't hear, I love you, or it wasn't a loving environment at all. Um, it's interesting how perfection can come in because we're striving to be loved. We're striving to be recognized. So we say to ourselves, well, if I do this and I really do it well, then I'll be recognized. My parents will say, you're great, you're wonderful. But they don't. And they get in this like wheel of perfection where they strive to get that recognition and they may get it and then it encourages them to keep striving. But then when they don't receive the recognition, they almost burn out because it's a, it just keeps going. So that's a wound. That's a, like a deep wound uh, that needs to be healed. That's like some ideas. Some of our basic human needs are being celebrated where your parents playful with you. Um, you know, what's interesting. One of the things is neglect is very painful. It's, it's the wound that's not evident. It's, it's like a memory. It's like a memory. It's like neglect. If you're not, if you're neglected, it really 
does something to your heart and to your soul. You withdraw in life. Um, you don't step into the arena because you've never been called forth. I mean, I can just keep going on and on. I just love the, um, when you find out what that wound is, like I'll, I'll tell you a story of someone who was a very successful attorney, highly successful attorney, yet she was so unsatisfied and so unfilled and she couldn't figure out why. And in conversation, what came out was her father favored her brother more than her, unfortunately. You know, some stuff like that happens. Um, and the, the woman thought, if I become an attorney, just like my father, he'll love me like he loves my brother. And so even though she was highly successful, it never gave her what she really needed. In fact, she was never called to be an attorney. She had a different calling in life. And then so sometimes we miss the path. We, we try to do things to fulfill and, and take care of that wound. And we wind up maybe doing things in life that we're not called to do. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. It's interesting that uh, even when in my uh, sports psychology days, which, which I, I still train athletes here and there, but not as much as I used to. Um, when I would come across an athlete, which was a super high level, even, even one I trained in the NFL, um, you know, we would go into these things and they would, they would either be sabotaging and coming second or not living up to their full potential in high performance. And I would know immediately during the conversation, like it has to do with a childhood thing. And that's how yeah. our brains kind of operate at a very young age. We, we embody those things and we keep carrying them right into old age because it's the, I guess, you know, a neurologist can kind of go into this, but the way that I understand it is it just roots itself in the mind as a safety mechanism. And it's so hard to pick out, to get to that root. So it doesn't change how we operate in the world. And those core traumas from childhood, whether it's neglect or something from the family or traumatic experience, it creates a lens on how you mm -hmm. operate life and how you receive things and mm -hmm. how you do things and your value system to avoid that pain or whatever the case may be. And if you don't address it, it's going to continue to play out and distort your um, vision and your and what you want to build in your life. You're going to be building something, but it's not going to be through a clear glass. It's going to be through dis through a little bit of distortion. And so, if we can clean that glass, it's the most valuable thing we can do. And um, you know, I just became a unlifted coach through Mark England, and he's a master wordsmith. And and really, it it has to do with understanding our inner dialogue and our inner critic. And where does that negative inner critic come from? And how do we go through those past limitations and traumas and alchemize them so they don't distort? And it's some of the best training that I've done. And there's, there's similar ones out there with NLP and conscious language and things like that. But mm -hmm. I've seen firsthand how empowering just becoming aware of that is and then alchemizing it so we can see clearly and start to live a life that's deliberate on purpose and aligned with our values and what we want to create here. And so what I'd love to ask you is um, if you have had those experiences, you know, what can we do to get clear on our life path and purpose so that our limitation, like let's say you had a, a, a negative childhood or negative experiences and you don't have a support system what can you do to move forward to be clear and then it's 
I'm also curious about homeschooling and just the idea of bringing in the love letter concept into people who are doing homeschooling now or into the family unit, just a very practical way that people could apply that because I think it's a very powerful process. And I know hundreds of thousands of people are homeschooling because not everybody wants to mask yeah. their five-year-old kid. You know, I saw some girl freaking out the other day because their kid uh, passed out in gym class and there's no deaths under 20, um, but we're masking our kids and we're making them social distance and basically doing a form of torture. I can't remember which it's called. Somebody put it in the, in the comments the other day, but it's a literal form of torture what's experiencing now with our kids. You know, kids mm. not seeing people's faces, you know, how f it's just very upsetting. You know, I'm, I, I'm exercising <laughs> patience, but I go through waves of anger and frustration and tolerance. Oh. I'm like, I'm, I'm like the angry monk. You know what I mean? I, I've been <laughs> studying Zen for 20 years and I'm still pissed off. I suck at it. So <laughs> I just, who knows where I'd be if I didn't study this stuff or have these conversations. Like it's just Ooh. nuts. So yeah. So please uh, chime in. Oh, well, you know, you are so right. This COVID has shaken us all to the core. We need, we thrive on relationship. We thrive on being able to see someone's whole face and have conversation. And so when you have that taken away from you, when you're in a place of isolation, I tell you, that's where all the dark thoughts come. Um, that's when those limiting beliefs even come become louder. And that's why we need each other to speak that truth. And, you know, it's been interesting during this time, a couple different TV stations contacted me because they heard about the book and they're like, the family needs something positive. Like, could you please come and, and, and share like what, what you can do? So, you know, what's come out of this are zoom letters. <laughs> It's one thing I wanted to share with people, you know, technology can be your best friend right now. So I actually, I can tell you a story of um, someone who came to me because I, I said, look, you know, your family may not be in the same city and lots of times we can't even get together. So let's forget about the birthday, doing letters on the birthday. Let's look at your family, choose one person who is going to be that person that's going to get the letter. And I gave them the template of the different things that sh should be covered in the letter. Cause that actually helps people write. A lot of people will sit down and go, I don't even know where to start. So I have like six or seven different things that will help them with different thoughts on what to write. Give us a couple. Oh, first one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm glad you asked because it is important. The first thing is we always specifically say why we love that person. We, we celebrate their gifts and talents. In other words, recognize them. If that person's a great leader, call that out. If they're, if they're great at musician, if speaking, um, baking, um, just whatever gift or talent, if it's in sports, especially when kids are younger, like that was easy. Oh, you're a great soccer player. You know, recognize the gift and talents that they have. Also, um, what we do is we also recognize accomplishments. So if somebody's been, been promoted or whatever like that, you, you recognize the, accomplish, the accomplishments. One of the things that we also put in, Matt, is, you know, life gets hard stuff happens, right? And so 
what we do in the letters is we recognize that struggle, that trial that the person has walked through. So if, if one, someone in our family was having a difficulty, maybe something at work, something negative happened, you know, we'll say, we will write in that letter, you know, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Um, but I saw how you tried to work it out in integrity and you really tried to do the best thing, but don't lose hope, be encouraged, be, you know, something better is coming in your future. And it, it's just all about like recognizing um, that the person actually went through something. When you have a bunch of people sitting around recognizing the hard time that you went through and then they're cheering you on, you feel like a big blanket has just been put around you for that. Um, does that help, you know, with some of the, the template oh, ideas? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And, you know, I've experienced what you're talking about here and there. Um, I remember one Christmas, um, shout out to my buddy, Andrew Bates. He's a good friend of mine and, you know, he sucks at the phone though. You know, he's one of my buddies. Uh, you know, nobody can ever get a hold of him, but he's out there. So I'm just like, man, I haven't heard of you forever. Like, are we still friends? What's going on here? Um, but it's such <laughs> a good dude and, and I love him. And I remember we do these, uh, thanks the Christmas dinners. And I, I don't, I honestly, because of the coronavirus stuff, I don't know if I'm invited back to this Christmas dinner. Like I hope so. Um, but, uh, it's just so divisive, you know what I mean? And, and so yeah. personally I'm struggling with speaking about what I believe to be true with very solid evidence and a very solid um, point of view that doesn't require my point of view, um, that yours be wrong. It's saying, this is just my point of view. You can believe that. I don't believe the same thing. So I guess it's quote unquote, just we believe different things. It's totally fine. Um, but it's creating this forced divisiveness to stand in the truth, which is kind of a bummer. And so that's kind of a side note to the, the Andrew Bates story, my homie, who's, uh, yeah, love him. And so I remember one Christmas, we were having the Christmas dinner and he pulled me aside and he's like, hey, like, you know, I can't imagine. And he just like how hard it must have is how hard it must be for you because he kind of understood what I've done in, in like the travels and just speaking out and um, trying to make a difference. And like, he, I don't, I don't know what it was, something click. He kind of, he just really got it. And then like to hear him say that, like it was really touching for me, you know, it felt so good because uh, we feel alone. Well, I feel, I'll just speak for myself personally. Like when, when somebody actually gets it, you know, whether it's my mom or a loved one, um, it's hard because it is a life is a lonely journey, you know, mm -hmm. and, and recognition, recognition is a, an appreciation is super helpful, especially when it's hard and that recognition and appreciation and it will give you the fuel to keep going. And that's for me, like been with doing the podcast and the travels and all the trials and tribulations that I've been through, you know, those little notes from people like, uh, that just reach out and say, Hey, like that show, um, was amazing, right? Because they don't know that I'm doing 40 to 60 hours a week that I am barely getting by that, you know, all these different things that I that I'm dealing with just that little bit of appreciation is like, you know, this is worth me staring at this computer when I want to be outside, because I know that the intention of this is to serve and is to support and is to help. And they don't even know how much that's helpful for me, how much that fuels that ability for me to do the show to move forward, because it's like energy. Yeah, it's like Absolutely. this just and 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 um 
So yeah, I just wanted to speak to that. Like it's, it's unbelievably empowering. So to do that in a kind of a systematic structure with people who love you, whether it's families, which would be the most important um, and ideal or friends or developing that culture. Like I immediately recognize that it is maybe the simplest and most powerful frame for literally encouraging people. So there's personal development, there's spirituality, there's all these good things. Um, I immediately recognize and understand this to be as like one of the most beneficial things you could do to support a member of your community, whatever that would be, because it is literally this, this energy that, that I felt in my life for sure when people have done it on, on minor scales, whether it's just a, a kind word through um, the social platforms before I got deleted, you know, and, you know, they delete me even though we're having conversations like this. Come on, what the <laughs> hell? There's something wrong. If these are the conversations I'm having and I'm just curious about what's going on with these big things. I, you know, I want to build in, um, I want to, I want to build a better humanity, you know, Atlantis, yeah. this amazing world. But when I see, I'm also a martial artist and very masculine and I really don't like injustice. I really don't like people harming other people. It pisses me off a lot. So I didn't like human trafficking. I don't like starvation. I don't like forced organ harvesting going on in China. I don't like how China runs a damn country. It really bothers me. And so I have to sit and like try to figure out a solution, but not get so angry at the thing that is oppressing. So I want to offer people the truth and the thanks that I get for that. Uh, the last bunch of bit has been a lot of positive feedback, but a lot of negative feedback. And I always think about, you know, Socrates, I say they would have killed Socrates first because he inquired, he was put to death for not um, believing in the gods of the day and, and, um, uh, corrupting the minds of the youth, getting them to think for themselves. And that's what we need. We need a culture of support. And if you look at one culture from what this divide, it's two cultures that I see going on. One is one is a more tolerant one and less shaming and less tomato throwing. Um, although I'm sure both sides are, are not perfect and it can't be divided. It just has to be mm-hmm. the person that you want to be in the community you want to choose uh, to be around and the person that you know, you're going to uh, be through action, right? So even if you're seeing something that's... Uh, I know challenging for you just to remain in integrity for yourself. And, and I feel like that is incredibly challenging to do these days. So I'm going to leave it at that rant because it's more like a, a, a personal story than anything. So please chime in and let me know what you think of all that. <laughs> well, I'll go, I'll go back to the, that little note that you got. And um, I tried to get this point across a lot in the book is that literally is like wings it just gives you wings to fly it just it's an empowerment there is power in our words we're either tearing down or we're building up and that's the divide that you were just talking about you we've got two different cultures one's building up one's tearing down and that does have to stop because we do we have to learn to communicate listen it's better to seek to understand than to be understood right and when we get take that equation out of life and communication then nobody gets anywhere because it people just want to dominate and take over and i i don't like that at all i i think there's a higher way of communicating and uh, what you had mentioned too when you tell people things i hear your passion i could feel your passion Sometimes people, when they're confronted with truth, 
they resist it because it makes them accountable because now they know now they've heard and now they're forced to deal with it and maybe they don't want to they don't want to hear the atrocities of sex trafficking they don't want to hear but now they've heard and it's like ah, you know they can't deny it and that's probably why you experience a lot of pushback so it's it's not that what you're not speaking is truth is that some people can't handle the truth and they don't know what to do with it when they hear it um, and I'll tell you about this zoom call because I think it's so powerful in this time when people are not using words of affirmation so this this person came to me and said I heard you on your Facebook live talking about the call and doing the zoom so we did it so they picked their brother I think it's like four sisters and this is a family that never shares emotions she said Debbie we don't talk about those things we don't do it but she said I heard what you shared and so I went back to my sisters and shared it with them and they all decided, okay, we're gonna write our brother a letter. And they got on a Zoom uh, call. Couple things happened. I'll start with the father. The father who was never, there's some distancing there with the father. The father heard about it and he couldn't step into the arena to do the letter, but it, it inspired him, it woke him up to say i'll share two stories about my son when he was growing up never would have done that but this letter zoom thing just opened him up because the family was coming together and she told me she said we all got together on zoom the brother reads the letters the no emotions this family she said this went beyond my expectations he began to cry, just crying because of the words that he was hearing from his sisters that he always longed to hear, but nobody ever shared them. And it was so impactful when he got done, he said, oh my gosh, he said, this was the best thing ever. He said, we have to keep doing this. And so they committed as a family the next four birthdays, everybody's doing letters. In fact, they've already, They've had two birthdays after that. And I'm like, gosh, this is happening. The global movement, people are doing it. And I had, I talk about a letter of forgiveness in the book. And um, our Johnny's in this story with he and his sister growing up. And at that particular time, we were doing letters at Christmas. Cause that we, as we started, we were, you know, figuring out when we were gonna do all of this. And so that particular Christmas, Jamie's letter to, to Johnny was basically, you're not very nice to me as a brother. I don't like the way that you treat me. I wish you could be <laughs> kinder. Can you imagine? Oh, they were probably like 10 and 12, something Johnny, like Johnny, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> He got called out by his sister. <laughs> and, and like, now remember, nobody knows what's in the letters until they're actually read. So that's Jamie's letter. Jonathan's letter to Jamie was, 
I haven't been a really good brother to you. I haven't been very kind. I'm really sorry. I'm going to try. I really want to try and be a better brother. And when they, they both had these letters and they saw what was written, they just looked at each other and went. And it was like, ah, I love you, man. I love you. And like that simple letter gave voice to their pain, voice to the struggle. They were able to work on that because they were it, the letter gave them a voice to talk about it. Sometimes we can't talk face to face about the things that hurt us because we get explosive um, or things are too painful. But that simple letter gave voice to the struggle, to the pain, made them both aware and they were able to work on it. So I encourage people in the book because all of us have relationships that we struggle with people maybe people that have distanced themselves or there's been a disconnection because of an event in a in family or friendships right but i think mad during this COVID time hearts are being tenderized things are all shaken up people are starting to realize what's really important in life now and I really encourage people to start thinking about what's, who's that relationship that you kind of don't talk anymore. And you maybe even forgot why you don't talk, or maybe it's too painful to bring it up, but maybe writing a letter could be the very tool that can crack that door open to bring back that relationship. Don't bring up what happened in the letter Go through the template of remembering the good things about that person, their great qualities, their characters, the things that you miss about them. Just kind of try to reconnect. We're only responsible to do our part. We, we can't make anybody respond, but sometimes when, if someone receives a letter like that, it might be the very catalyst to say, yeah, I miss you too. And maybe we should start talking again. I think this time in COVID, people being isolated and hearts are being tenderized that some of the stuff that we used to hold on to, we're ready to let go because we want friends, we want families. In fact, after this uh, TV show out of uh, Las Vegas, um, I got an email from someone who listened to the show and she said, I heard you talk about the letter of forgiveness. She said, would you help me write a letter to my ex of 23 years? I was like, wow, I just, it blew me away. And I just thought, how powerful is that? That there was something that she wanted to say to just talk about forgiveness. It had to be one of the most incredible letters that she ever wrote. And that's just like tip of the iceberg of what could happen if people would really become intentional about using this simple tool because words spoken are powerful, but words written down, I mean, that's like a legacy. And um, I, all, I always tell people, they say, well, you know, my kids are grown. And I always say it's never too late because everyone has that longing to be known, loved, valued, and celebrated. They're waiting to receive this gift and they would love to start. I have a lot of people that are starting this and their kids are already grown. 
um, I spoke to a women's group. Most of the women there were grandmothers. And I said, you know, we all have this generational responsibility. You have the capacity to shift your family's culture by you starting this with your child and your grandkids. Nothing to me could be more powerful than the generational blessing of a grandparent to their grandchild. Because we have, we look through an eye of wisdom. We, we've come through a lot of years of experience. We're gonna see things in a child that maybe their parents are missing because they're so busy raising them. But the grandparent that can call forth the gifts and the talents and the purpose in that child's life and put it on paper and give it to that child, it, it'll, it, it'll change their life. It'll give them hope and a reason for why they're here on this earth. Will somebody please tell me what I'm all about? That's basically what people are longing for. And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, my, my oldest grandson, last year he was seven. Now he's grown up watching these letters being read for all the birthdays because now it's the, my family, now it's my son-in-law as well. And a, a funny thing about that, and he writes, a, I, we have it in the book, no girlfriends or boyfriends ever got a letter. You had to be married. You had to be in the family because it was so sacred because the boyfriends and girlfriends would come and go all those years, right? No, it had to be just the family. So he dated Jamie for five years. He said, I had to wait for five years to get my first letter. And he said, it was like a rite of passage. He was so excited. He got his first letter and then we all got to write him his first letter. And, you know, it really is it's such a powerful tool. So anyway, now, the grandkids, they sit around the table and they watch all this. And so Kellen says, hey, Nana, my birthday's coming up. What do you think I want this year? And I said, I, I don't know. What do you want for your birthday this year? Just like this, throws his hands over his head and says, letters. I want letters. And we're like, yes, it's gone to the next generation. So for his eighth birthday, he got his first letters from all of us it was and now he's writing letters to us you know he's only eight they're very short but he's learning and he's excited to do it that's incredible um i can see how powerful that is and and there's a quote that says i think it's aristotle or something like that it says give me the boy until he is five or eight forget which age but and i'll show you the man and I feel like these letters should start as early as possible and they would have the same profound impact in a positive way that a traumatic experience does in a negative way. And, True. you know, doing, you know, doing this for our families is amazing. And I'm glad you brought up the idea of grandmothers because one of the concepts I, I was so happy that Johnny had kind of reached out and said, Hey, my mom wrote a book. And I was like, Oh yeah, man. I was like, let's get more legit, you know, moms on the show because we got, you know, and, and mothers and, and feminine leadership. Um, one of my mm -hmm. clients is writing a book on that. I think it's so important because we as a culture are not respecting our elders very much we we're we're not doing that we've lost that and in studying with the native american community they have a matriarchy so when you're a kid 
and you piss off your dad and you get in trouble. It's like, yeah, that's one thing. You know what I mean? Your dad's mad at you. He's probably usually mad. I don't know my experience. My dad's mad at me a lot of the time, but uh, my mom, it's a whole nother thing because I know I deserved it. <laughs> it's worse. You know what I mean? It's just like you feel shame and guilt. You know what I mean? It's like you're a dog and you peed in the corner and you knew you weren't supposed to. And you're upset. You've let them down. It's much worse than your dad because he might just be upset and just kick you for no reason. You know what I mean? Or, or like he doesn't have the same amount of patience and tolerance mostly than mothers do. You know, usually they have a little bit more patience, a little bit more tolerance. And you know, when women, I think that they're just wired a little bit differently. They are, they're, they're more, you know, they, they give life They're They have, they have more patience as a whole, you know? And, and so what, what uh, David Lombard told me is like, if, if they were going to go to war, it was the grandmothers that gave consent. So oh, how far wow. could you push back the culture until the grandmother said, we must fight to defend. And that's, where myself as a martial artist and somebody who believes in justice and believes in truth, you know, it's aggravating to, to be attacked in certain ways through ignorance and not being able to uh, listen. You know, if so somebody comedian said this is like, if we could be face to face, everybody in Twitter would shut up because you get a punch in the mouth. You know what I mean? People are behind these screens and they can just say all this hurtful, ridiculous stuff and be total goons, but they wouldn't do that. You know, you wouldn't do that face to face. You get a smack in the face for that. Um, but you know, when do we act to the point of defending, right? And that's what martial arts is for. It's to defend right? Um, that's what the Second Amendment is for, that I never understood that. I was always specifically giving mm. Texas a hard time. And I know you're in Texas. I was like, these rednecks and their guns, you know, what I mean? we need no guns. And then I was like, oh, wait, actually, there's a lot of evil people in the world. And then the more I learned about the Constitution, how amazing it is as a right, you can't now, you know, the thing about power, what there's a quote that says, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolute something like that so yeah that's it that's right it. yeah okay yeah and so that's what we have right and so that's what's encroaching but that gun you know in the in the constitution if you look at the history of what's going on people want to control other people and it gives you the the ability to defend your family now have guns been used for harm in in all kinds of awful ways a hundred percent i'm just talking about the ability to defend your family back in the day was it you couldn't just go to the grocery store and get some chicken you had to go hunt a cow or a deer or something um but there's a point where you got to defend your tribe if you were native american you defend your tribe and the grandmothers would say this is a point now where we must defend ourselves because now we're being oppressed now we're being mm -hmm. oppressed now we're being taken and what what the uh you know the canadian government and the american government did to the indigenous people is unspeakable it's the most awful thing and we need to rewrite those uh wrongs but move forward in a in a like in a legit inclusive way not in a political inclusive way because as a side note learning from clifford mahoudi he's a zuni elder he said a lot of the um the elders there they, their councils have changed and now a lot of them are, are really wealthy right but it's not being distributed fairly so somehow they've kind of co-opted into the system, you know what I mean? And, and it's not kind of what it, what it used to be. And now I, I only know a little bit of a little bit from studying with a few, but that was kind of the understanding that I got. And so I just feel like those, 
values of, you know, Native American cultures are important, but also just understanding like generational respect, the matriarchy. And I, and when I hear it, it makes sense to me, you know, like a, a grand, they have grandmother councils. And if you think about your grandmother and the wisdom of life and the, the patience and the compassion and the understanding of what that action means, if you have to take an aggressive action, if you have to make a stand where enough is enough, right? And that's, if you think about the dinner table, right? And you got a little kid being a butt, you know what I mean? And they're just being a butt and we know they're kids, right? But the second the grandmother's like, that's enough. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, little buddy, it's enough, right? Every, right? It's like, for me, right? I have just, I don't know, my daughter's probably going to give me a hard time, but when she's older, I'm like, that's enough. Just, you know, I don't know, quit it. Just, you know, <laughs> quit doing that. Um, but the patience is there with the, with the grandmothers to know, hey, this is enough. You know what I mean? That's, that's the time. And so, I wonder what we can do as a culture to respect our grandparents, to respect our parents and to use that wisdom because now we need wisdom. We need, we need true guidance, especially in this divisive time and, and to, to take the right action, you know, to what is, what is the correct and virtuous uh, like not signal virtuing not, not doing it to, you know, to signal virtue or whatever that virtue signal, um, like actual virtuous action without manipulation, like to stand in truth and integrity and compassion. Um, you know, if you're virtue signaling and, you know, making people do stuff, that's not true virtue. That's, that's kind of the opposite. So I don't know. I'll let you do. You, you want to like comment on that? I do. Cause I think the generations are so important. Each generation has its own value that it brings to the next generation. Like when you go back to even biblical times, they, they told their story to the next generation. They would always tell the family story. They would always talk about the villages and what happened and the wars and they they just talked about life and they it, it was a shared thing for each generation to tell the next generation why because so they could remember they could remember where they came from they could remember the struggles to find the hope that what they're facing now we faced it before we're going to get through so the power of story is so important. And I, you know, but makes me sad, Matt, is I feel culture now looks at the older generation of not having value. Just put you over here. You're done. You, you know, let you just retire you. Go sit over there. Put them in a home a and forget about them. Oh, it's horrible. It's a wealth, it's a wealth of wisdom and experience and insight that you don't get until you go through life. <laughs> we only have measures of it as we're growing up. You reach a certain late age. In my coaching, I call it the time of convergence. There's like a, a seasons, different seasons. Like there's a time of awakening when you're awakening to your calling and your purpose, usually like when you're younger. And like in your 40s, 50s, you're starting to think, okay, I'm in this season in life. What's my unique contribution now? Like you've either raised your family, you've been in the career, you've been doing all this, but you've reached this point, you feel this shifting going on. What's my unique contribution now? When you get to like 60s and up, it's like another whole thing. It's 
like convergence. It's like bringing all your wisdom, knowledge, and experience. What do I do with this now? How do I take this, become that mentor? How do I take this to impart to those that are still coming up? So we're not supposed to be finished. We're still supposed to be experiencing probably some of the greater things in our lives. Um, as we get to this season, because you have more time, you have more experience and you have more ability to impart. So I always encourage people in that age group, oh no, these are the best years of your life. There's gifts and talents that you've had to kind of put on the shelf, maybe when you were doing different things in life. And now it's time for you to shift and try something new and give back from what you already have. But Unfortunately, a lot of people do get put on the shelf and I, I would love to start an organization <laughs> for like even these people in their 70s and 80s. My mother, she was in her mid 80s and she would say, Debbie, I wake up and I just don't have a purpose when I wake up. I just don't have a purpose. And she was always so active. She raised seven kids. She was in the military herself. and. Um, you know what she did? She was probably 87 years old. She and another elderly friend adopted a platoon in Afghanistan. And every month they would send these young soldiers socks, candy, every month. They got so excited. They'd write letters. Just they were, they're looking for things to do. And I got, oh, I would love to start like a place where these people could come to give them purpose and inspiration. I just think it's missing, but it's needed. Beautiful. You know, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. And I, again, I, I get reminded of one of Clifford Mahuti's story, the Zuni elder. He goes, you know, my grandpa would sit me down and, and tell me stories. And I would always like basically rebel and go out to play. He's just like, he got mad at me. I understand why now. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, and it's so important to impart that wisdom. And I know from, again, studying with the Native Americans that like it, when, when we were des destroying their culture, you had to destroy the family unit, right? And so they took the kids away and um, then the kids stopped listening to the grandparents. So how does that wisdom get passed down? Where is it coming from? It's coming from outside of the culture, outside of the history. It's not honoring a hundred years of life of somebody within your understanding direct experience not someone that's outside the family although that can be valuable but you don't know we don't know what people's intentions are and and i used to be really you know thinking everybody was a good person and i've realized whoa like there's a lot of bad people out there and they have bad intentions and sometimes they're not even intentionally bad sometimes they're just bad through ignorance bad through any different number of things but the family unit's so important and that's how we effectively destroyed their cultures and that's how cultures are overtaken right is is putting that value outside and outside the family unit and we're seeing that now with, with how we treat our our own grandparents and i feel like that would be an amazing cultural shift to to bring that respect and honor back to our to our mothers and our grandmothers and uh our own family units and and really just working towards making them as loving and as supportive and value driven as possible. And so, you know, all of this has been super beautiful and I can't say 
in a clear and powerful way how effective I understand these letters being. Like I can just, I just know in my heart and in, in my being, like those letters that you're talking about are, are pure gold and spiritual fuel and incredibly powerful. And I definitely recommend people check out your book and start to in, in employ them because I know that I've been on the receiving end and I've uh, given it and um, you know, the response that I, that I, that I get and, 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 seeing similar ways like through the t's and things like that um i've seen the transformation i've seen the power and that that one letter or that one experience might be enough for them to hold on and to even understand what we got going on with this mental health we have a huge mental health epidemic going on massive you know people are committing suicide at the highest rate right now and this could be literally the thing that would just give them that little bit of hope that little bit of understanding because it is the isolation that is that is hard to deal with it is the lack of appreciation it is like feeling invisible and people Mm -hmm. saying you're alone and you know i started a telegram group after i got banned from all the social media i'm back it's like (laughs) mini 2.0 like you know i'm not until they put me in a concentration camp that they got building in canada i'm still here (laughs) kicking so you know i've had a lot of people reach out and say you know one of those conversations was the hope that I needed. You know, I thought I was alone. Mm. Nobody understands me. Nobody listens. Everybody is, you know, doing this and it's not a safe space. So even if it's just virtually, it's huge. Um, it's hugely beneficial. And so just thank you so much for your work and um, what you're doing. Is there yeah. anything else that you would uh, uh, like to share or you wish that we had covered in this, in this um, chat? I think I'll just say one final thing is don't underestimate the power of your words. Why have you, why do we wait till someone passes away before we suddenly find and remember all of the great things that they ever done? And you hear about them at their funeral, but the person never got to hear that. So if I can encourage people, now is the time. Don't underestimate the power of your words. Somebody needs to hear. Somebody needs to know their value, their worth, and why they're here on this planet. Because you will bring them life and empower them to fulfill their purpose because they'll believe again in themselves. Beautiful, 100%. And I can say, you know, it worked for Johnny. You know, he's a, he's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful soul, your son. I love him. I love him dearly. He's, a, he's an amazing human being. He's super funny. Uh, we've had amazing experiences together. And that guy's got a heart of gold. One of the nicest, purest uh... beings I've ever met. Just an absolute uh, gem. I love him with all my heart. So, you know, with what you did something right. And so I'm grateful for you coming on the show, for your work. And I definitely encourage people to check out your book to start doing that. And similar, I just had Mark Shapiro on and he is another buddy and he talks about love bombs and he would send people virtual um, birthday messages, just telling me he loved and appreciated them. And so very Perfect. similar. Yeah. So, you know, these ideas, I love how these ideas are starting to sprout up. So where do people find you? Where can they find your book? That's what I need to ask. There you go. Well, (laughs) people want to go further. Where do they go find you? (laughs) It's called the family letter and you can find it on Amazon very easily on, or if people want to go to my website, uh, Debbie Ronca, D E B I R O N C A.com. Um, I could 
sign the book for you and ship it out. Or you can just go to Amazon. I would love for you to have it and be a great way to start Christmas, Thanksgiving, and just start a new tradition in your family. Agreed, 100%. So get it. Um, and when you do, leave a review on Amazon because that helps the rankings and all that kind of stuff. So let's promote Absolutely. positivity through action. So this is a pure, pure gold idea. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you and we'll definitely be staying in touch. I, I look forward to coming out uh, back out to Texas and, and hanging out with you and Johnny. You'll have to do it. You'll have to come to our house for dinner. We would love it, Matt. I Sounds know Johnny good. loves you, speaks the world about you. Just you're up there. Oh, uh, well, I appreciate <laughs> it. Well, the way that things are going in Canada, I might stay a little bit longer. Just, <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to freedom, baby. So. <laughs> well, uh, you will be in my thoughts awesome. and well, my prayers. You. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys, for watching. Peace. Take care. Bye-bye.